You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode 179. Talk about selling confidently with Nikki Rausch. CEO of Sales Maven, Nikki Rausch has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With 25 plus years of selling experience, entrepreneurs and small business owners now hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically. Nikki has written three books, all available on Amazon and linked in our show notes, and she is the host of a podcast called Sales Maven, which you can find on your favorite podcast platforms. Today, Nikki is having a real, real, real convo with us about what it takes to sell confidently. So don't miss this one, friends. Go grab your coffee, grab your tea. Let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your girl, your friend, your host, Renee Dallow. And I'm here this week with the lovely Nikki Rausch. Nikki, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. I'm excited you're here because we are talking about sales and confidence, and those are two of my favorite things. <laughs> Me too. So I'm excited to be here to have this conversation with you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Nikki and I were talking offline about you know who listens to the show. We were talking about y'all, and we were talking about how so many of my listeners are in the wedding industry. And the thing I didn't say, Nikki, is that, you know, the wedding industry has a pretty interesting uh, relationship with with the sales world, right? Because so many people get into the wedding industry with really no sales experience or thinking like, oh, I don't really have to know how to sell because I'm I'm a photographer. Or I'm a stationer, which is like we all know now if you're in business for even a day, like half the job is selling. Yes. So what is your relationship to sales? Like, do you love it? I mean, I'm sure you love it. But how did you? How did you get to love it? Did you always love it? Well, I, you know what I love? Here's what I really loved is I loved making money at a very young age. Mm. And I realized one of my first commission sales jobs was at the mall. And it was one of those kiosks like that they put out like in the holiday season. Yes. And it was my first experience. They were paying minimum wage, which is pretty typical at the mall. And this was way back in the way back years. So I'm going to say minimum wage at the time was like, it was less than $5 an hour. So mm -hmm. I'm, that, that ages me, I know. But with that, they had this thing that if you worked a certain number of hours, that you you had like a quota that you had to hit. And once you hit over that quota, you started making commission on your sales. And I was making sometimes three, three times more than the minimum wage because I could sell. And I was really yes. comfortable in, not in the like pushy piece, but in the, I'm really good at building relationships. I'm really good at asking questions. And so, and I'm also really good at adding other things onto a sale. So upselling and add on sales. So I would make really good money there. And then my first yeah. professional job out of college was a sales, like dialing for dollars kind of position, which is probably that's most hard. people's nightmare. Yeah, and, that's uh, real. I feel, I feel like you tell me that and I'm like, damn, that's hard. That's yeah. hard work. 
But I learned a lot and I worked in a very male dominated industry and that's, people don't really believe this until you kind of get to know me, but I'm actually, I fall on the introverted scale. Like I'm considered an introvert and I also can be quite shy. So I have to really extend myself. Um, and I found that I wasn't the kind of salesperson that could be like super aggressive and go out and like hunt the big game and like, you know, kill the blah, blah, blah. Like that was just never my style. My style was yeah. always about relationships and building strong connections with people. And then the sales conversation got easier. So there were th things that I did over the years, but I did find that selling for me was a comfortable thing. And really it was because I liked to be able to control my income and when yeah. you know how to sell, you can control how much money you make. I mean, that's such a healthy perspective to have. I want to touch on the the things you said you're good at, because I, I think sometimes when we talk about sales, especially for the wedding pros, we just think like either I'm good or I'm bad at mm -hmm. sales, as opposed to how nuanced you were with like, okay, so you're good at building relationships. You're good at upselling, right? Um, one of the things I think I'm good at with my wedding planning and sales is I'm really good at building value. Like I don't mm -hmm. talk about my features. I talk about what it's going to, how it's going to feel to them, yes. right? Yes. So I, I love I love that perspective on the conversation, because if you're listening and you're like, mm, I hate sales, it's like, do you or do you just need to like shore up your skills in one of these areas? I'll tell you, when I was an actor, I spent most of my whole entire 20s and most of my and some of my 30s being a professional actor, which means I also waited <laughs> tables a lot. And one of the things that I found out pretty early on, pretty instinctually, I actually was pretty good at upselling in that particular environment, right? Because someone would order, I don't know, say like a burger and I'd be like, well, do you want cheese? What kind of cheese? Do you want avocado? How about this? And I would get their burger like up to like $5 more. Yeah. And if you think about per burger, every table, every shift, like I was just upping my, eventually my income because people tip on the amount of the check, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But my manager pointed it out to me. They said, oh, you're the best upseller we have. You're always putting, making fancy burgers out of our burgers. And I was like, what? No one else is doing that? That's just, to me, I thought that was just, you know, hospitable. It was like, okay, well, how do you want your burger? We have this, we have all these things. Don't you want all these extra things? And people always said yes. <laughs> so it didn't occur to me that I was being any kind of way. It was just, I was just trying to help, you know? Well, and that's the, like, that's the exact thing that I think about sales is here you are offering people the opportunity to make their burger the best possible burger that they could have. And at the same time, they don't necessarily know what all the options are. And so you're clearly laying it out in a really kind way and you're being respectful because they get to choose. So it, right. I'd rather have the opportunity to decline versus feeling like I missed out because I'm like, I didn't even know I could have bacon on my burger or whatever it That's was, right. right? So That's because right. you offer it, then they get the opportunity to say yes or no. And that that well, sales technique goes across the board with anybody. If you don't yes. if you don't put it out there, it's it's a mistake to assume that people know what all the offer like what all the extras could be or what else is possible for them with whatever it is that you're selling, whether it be, you know, your photography for your wedding, your flowers, or if it's a coaching program. So it is your yes. job as the seller to put that in front of people and allow for them to decide. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're just like, I'm just trying to get more money out of this person. It's really more about does this person feel really good about their experience with you? And if yeah. the answer is yes, that is also going to impact how much money they spend with you and how satisfied they are and how much they go and shout from the rooftops how awesome it is to work with you 
So you create ambassadors in the marketplace for you when you put offers and when you put options in front of people. I agree. And I also think we assume that the people who come to us to hire us or to work with us know exactly what we have to offer because they assume because we spend all of our time promoting things, right? Yeah. That they're sick to, sick to death of hearing about it. Or like, oh, of course they know that I plan rehearsal dinners, or of course they know that I do wedding albums. Um, they probably don't. People don't read, or, or even if they read, they don't retain all the information that we have. They just don't. True, true. And sometimes they have to hear it multiple times, or it has mm -hmm. to be presented in the moment when they're ready to hear it. You know, there's, right. there's a lot of um, reasons that people don't decide to work with you. And one of the biggest ones is that people have what's known as decision fatigue. So I don't know if you've heard this before, but there's yeah, some stats about out that there. A bit. So talk about that a bit. Think about your, so I'm going to ask you, Renee, and then we'll play and we'll let your audience play too. Um, yeah. Think about how many decisions you make in a day. And if you Oof. had to, if you just had to guess, like, just for a day, an average day for Renee, about how many decisions do you think you oh make? Oh my gosh, like a hundred? I don't know. It seems like I, unquantifiable. Like I've never even done the math, yeah. but a lot. Yeah. A lot. Okay. So they say the average adult makes up to 30,000 decisions a day. What? So we're tired. Our brains bananas. are tired. But I, I know, but I believe it? it. And actually, I, I, believe I, it. I saw another study where it said can be up to 60,000. I personally think that that's people who are parents because I think parents make oh, more decisions I'm sure. than those of us. I'm not a parent, so I think people who are parents make more decisions. But uh, you can tell me as the listener, like, how many decisions do you think you make a day? So we're tired. Our brains are tired. We have decision fatigue. If you don't put a decision, a super simple, easy decision in front of people, they won't make the decision because they're too busy deciding all these other things. So yes. when you think, oh, they're going to do a bunch of research, they're going to go on my website, they're going to look at all my social media stuff, and they're going to come prepared knowing what they want to buy from me. No, they're not. They're tired. They've already made a bunch of decisions. And if you don't make it super simple for them, like you, you know, the, your example of the burger was so perfect. Like what kind of cheese would you like on that? Would you like avocado? Like those types of things are super easy decisions in the moment to go. Yeah, I do want cheese. I want this kind. And yes, I do like avocado on my burger. If you're not doing that for your clients, you are missing out on them having the best possible experience because it isn't about what they spend with you. Like, again, back to your point earlier, it's about what are they going, how are they going to feel at the end? How, what's their experience going to be like? Mm -hmm. So it's really important. true. And I'm going to say something maybe controversial for oh. people listening, probably not for you, Nikki. Okay. But as a consumer, sometimes when I go into a store, a boutique, an experience, I want to be sold to. Amen. Don't you want Like if people? I walk in, yes. yeah, I want like... I, I'm remembering just an instance, and this was a positive instance, but I was in I was in Las Vegas. I was with my associate planner, Joey. We were doing some venue visits, and across the way, I spotted a Loewe store, this, you know, the luxury, um, they're a luxury brand. They're, they do handbags and, you know, all mm -hmm. the fashion. And I had never seen a Loewe store in person because, they, to my knowledge, they don't have them in Los Angeles. Now, of course, now, of course, as soon as I say that, they do have one. Just opened <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. But I was like, oh, I want to go in that store. And Joey's like, why? I'm like, I want to look at this purse. It's like my you know, my big goal purse. Like if we hit this yeah. goal this year, I'm going to buy this purse. Right. Yeah. So I walked in knowing that I was not going to buy that purse. Right. 
but I still wanted to be sold to because I wanted to know about this purse. And the girl who helped me was wonderful. She explained the difference in the sizes, the kinds of leather, the kinds of straps. She showed me like five different straps that I could buy to make it do this and that and this and that. And I have to tell you, I was thrilled. I was honest with her. I said, this is a goal purchase for me. If I hit a certain sales goal this year, I'm going to come back and buy it. She gave me your card and said, when you're ready to come back, text me. I'll have it waiting for you. Oh, I love that. I was like, boom, this woman will forever. She will get every sale of mine because she took the time. She wasn't like, oh, I don't know if this woman can afford it. Maybe I shouldn't offer this this super high end, you know, strap. But she did. And I was like, oh, I want that. <laughs> and you probably didn't. And she even, took I the time. Did you even know that you had those options? Like, did you know there no. were all these strap options for this purse? Absolutely that not. And honestly. I walked in thinking I wanted the tiny purse because I, again, on the internet, you cannot tell size. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. And then I left and I was like, oh, I'm going to get the large, like, right. <laughs> like totally different experience in person. And she took the time to, and not, and she wasn't necessarily quote unquote selling me in that way we think is horrible. She was just helping. She was just showing me, did you know about this? Did you know about this? Look at this new strap. This one makes it a little more casual. I was like, tell me more, tell me all the things. Yeah. So I loved it. that goes back to kind of my whole philosophy around sales anyway, is that conversational sales is a much more successful way. So you mm. and her are having this great back and forth conversation. She's asking you questions. She's offering to show things to you. She's not being aggressive. She's not being pushy. It's conversational. So I always say sales really isn't something that you do to another person because that feels really gross and icky when you think about somebody doing something to you sales is actually something you do with people it's a collaboration and when Amen. when you provide a collaborative experience for people then things get so much better not only for you as the seller because it takes all the pressure off of like oh my gosh i have to hard sell this person you don't you shouldn't and your job isn't to convince people to buy from you it's to understand What's interesting to this person? What's useful to this person? Do I have a solution that would meet some kind of a need or a want that they have or a problem even? And if you do and you and you get permission, like she's asking you like, are you interested in seeing these straps? And you're like, yeah, tell me more about that. Like, give me all the goods here. You're, you're getting, she's getting feedback from you in the moment of like, yeah, keep mm -hmm. going. And so she does keep going. Right. And then you walk out having yeah. this great experience and like remembering her name and taking her card because you're like, I'm going to yeah. go back and she's going to be the person who gets my business. Well, I'll tell you, I don't care that there's a boutique now in L.A. When I buy this back, I'm going to buy it in Vegas. I'm going to wait till I'm in Vegas. I'm going to make a trip to Vegas. I'm going to go. I love it. Yes. Because I was just so, so impressed by her. Yeah. And I think when we talk about confident sales, it's like, I don't know. Did she feel confident in that moment? Was there the pressure released because I flat out said, I'm not buying this today? <laughs> I don't know, but whatever it was, she did confidently, you know, want to show me this purse and she wanted to, like, like you said, she wanted my feedback. And I think if we can approach our sales from that lens of like, it's just a feedback loop and like, we can, we can kind of see where we're going. Do you think a lot though, people don't, you know, go into sales confidently because there's this aspect of like, well, I hope they like me personally. Yeah especially when you're selling your own service, right? If, if you're yeah. the photographer or if you're the event planner or, you know, it feels like, oh, I'm selling me. And I would say you, you do need to think about, um, actually I did a podcast episode on my own podcast about this, not too recently, uh, where I talked about identity and it, yeah. sometimes we let our personal identity get too wrapped up in our business identity. Like your business is a separate entity from you and you have to take care of it just like it will take care of you so 
if you act like when they decline, they're rejecting me as a person, there needs to be some mindset shift around that because that can be super detrimental and will keep you from scaling your business and growing your business when you approach sales of like, I'm taking it really personally. And the example I often give, <laughs> now we're on the, like, I feel like we're in the food examples because we already talked about the burgers. So I'm going <laughs> to give you it. another one of those. <laughs> but imagine that you go to a restaurant and you have a really delicious meal. And at the end of the meal, the server comes by and just like throws your check on the table and just walks away. Or the server comes by and says, you know, how was your meal? They check in and then they say, now, uh, can I show you our dessert platter? And you go, gosh, I wish I love dessert, but I'm so full. I'm so satisfied. So I'm going to pass tonight, but thank you so much. The server does not go back into the kitchen and go, can you believe that broad? I tried to offer her dessert and she rejected me. <laughs> and right. I think that a lot of us have this, a lot of people have this impression that when somebody declines, that it means like, you're a bad person, you sold to me, you did this bad thing. But in actuality, just like your example of the purse, like you're not ready to buy. It's not a no, it's just a not yet. Just like the person with That's dessert right. might next time want the dessert, but if the person just throws their check on the table and doesn't offer it, you walk out of the restaurant feeling unsatisfied with your experience because you're like, how dare that person decide for me that I don't get dessert? Yes. I've had that happen before where I'm like, um, did we do something where we don't get dessert? Like, yeah, I've had that. And it feels very off-putting. You're like, did yeah. I... like?" Why didn't I get the offer? You know, yes. everyone wants the offer. Yes. And so I always say, treat people like they're adults. Like, let them decide. Be willing to issue, I, I call it issuing invitations. Because I always think most people like to be invited. I don't know about you, Renee, but if you knew that your neighbors yeah. were having a big party and they issued an invitation, sent out an invitation to everybody in your in your neighborhood but you, wouldn't you feel a little slighted, even if you didn't really oh, want totally. to go to the party? You'd be like, no, I want the invite. I yeah. want to also decline the invite. Yes. <laughs> Same. And I'm not saying everybody's going to decline because some people might get the invitation and think, normally I would decline, but I think I'm going to go tonight. And yeah. you will have people that you come into contact with in your business that if you don't issue the invitation, they walk away feeling unsatisfied. If you issue the invitation, they might have walked in thinking they're going to say no, but because they got the invitation, now it feels differently. And now they're like, hmm, maybe I should consider this. You know what? Actually, I do want to do this. Thank you for asking. Yeah. So what step of the sales process is making the invitation? Will you walk us through the steps yeah. of your sales process? Okay. So my signature framework for a sales conversation, I call it the selling staircase. And I wrote my third book is about it. And the, I break it down into five steps. And as the seller, you don't get to skip steps. So I'm going to talk you through the steps and then I'll tell you the exception of skipping. So the first step is uh, introduction. So that's about making a powerful first impression. And that can happen through your website, on social media, hearing somebody on a podcast, like all of these things are starting to establish what impression people are making of you. So your objective in the introduction is to make a powerful first impression. Once you do that, you move to step two in the sales conversation, which is create curiosity. This, by the way, is the most missed step. Most people don't even think about, do I know how to create curiosity about my business, about what I do? That also can happen on social media. It can also happen on your website. It can also happen, you know, being a guest on a podcast. There's lots of ways to create curiosity. If you are not being strategic about it, chances are you are missing out on working with some of your ideal clients because they don't know 
what's possible for them if you don't create curiosity and get them going. Tell me more about that. Just like the, the woman says, like, are you interested in seeing the other straps available? And you're like, I didn't even know there were straps. Heck yeah. Show me. Heck yeah. So mm -hmm. that's creating some curiosity. There's lots of ways to do this in your business. Step three, and I'll go anywhere you want to go, like as deep as you want to go on any of these. But step three is what I call the discovery step. This is where your objective is to understand what's going on for this person. Do they have a need, a problem, a want? And by asking really smart questions, you help them establish through your questions, oh, I do have a need and a want. And this person, based on the way they're asking me questions, lets me know that they have a possible solution for me. So discovery step, super important. And then step four is what I call the proposal. This is where you're clearly laying out ways to work together or what the offer is, right? How to buy whatever it is that you're selling. And then step five, which goes really closely with step four is the close. This is where you're actually issuing close language. This is where you're getting to that place of like overcoming decision fatigue by putting a really simple decision in front of them. This is the second most misstep in the selling process. A lot of times people get to step four and then they kind of wait for the other person. They wait for the buyer to do something. But right. if you, I always say like one of the indicators that you're missing step five is if you have a lot of quotes out there to people, if you've had a lot of consultation calls with people and they start ghosting you, you've missed step five. So it's time That's for right. you to get really clear on your step five and issuing closed language. And just to give you a really simple example, a closed language is saying something like, is that something you'd like to do together? Should we get that scheduled? Wait. Love that. Is that something you'd like to do together? Yeah. Should we get that scheduled? And then just wait, see what the other person says. Don't say like, okay, that. so to work with me, we've got to do this thing and do that thing and then blah, blah, blah. So yeah, let me know. If you're saying, let me know in your sales conversations, you're missing some really key skills. And that means you're leaving money on the table. It means you're leaving people feeling unsatisfied with their interaction with you. Because when you just, when you say to somebody, let me know, what you're really saying to them is, hey, uh, put me on your to-do list, on your decision list, and see if I ever make it to the top of those 30,000 decisions that you're going to make today. Interesting. And chances yeah. are you I can see that. Aren't. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to make it to the top. I mean, yes. I'm actually thinking of my, our own sales process. I'm like, do I do that? I mean, we do at, we do close in the email, mm -hmm. but because I don't give out quotes on on a on a discovery call, like I I literally say, okay, so I'm going to follow up with a proposal because I do cut I custom code everything, and okay. I have found over the years that when I blurt out a number on a call, it's never quite the whole picture. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yes. So I give myself the uh, the grace of saying like, and I say very clearly, like, I'm not going to be able to give you a quote at the end of this call, but I will follow up with you within two hours with a full proposal and it'll be it'll outline everything we talked about. Right. So because I do need that. I need as far as pricing that moment of distance to look at it and think, OK, so they said this, they said this, sure. they need this, they need this. I think this, you know, so that we come to a good number. I know that ghosting has become a huge problem for a lot of wedding vendors um, who probably do what you say. They send it out and say, OK, let me know. This is what we have. And there's no closing language. I love the idea of like, so can we work, you know, can we work together on this? Like asking the question that needs an answer, not just like okay, here you go. <laughs> yeah. And is it okay if I offer you like, I'd like you to take it one step further on your proposals. 
are you okay if I if I say what I would would what would I would advise yeah, if you of were my client? Okay. So yes, I actually don't want you to send a proposal to somebody if you don't offer to schedule a circle back call to review it with them. Because that's when they go into that's when they go into ghost mode. Is because now when you send the proposal, now you're in this mode of like, so do I follow up with them? Do I send an email? Should I call them? Should I do which to me is this like time suck of energy of you trying to figure out what should I do next? And even though you've sent the proposal and even though you've issued the closed language in the in the email, which I'm gonna say congratulations, because most people don't even do that. That that is a good thing. And if you take it one step further, you'll find that you'll get more people making a decision with you faster. If you say to them, I'm going to send this proposal to you in two hours or two days, doesn't matter what it is. Let's go ahead and schedule a circle back call now. That way I can review the proposal, answer any last questions that you have, and then we'll talk about next steps for working together. Can we get that on our calendars now? And then if you get you know, it, I'm going I'm yeah. to try it. Yeah. And then if you get it on the calendar, here's what happens. You have moved up on their to-do list because most people live and breathe their calendars. And so they might get that proposal from you and not look at it because they've already moved on to other things. But if they see mm. that they're going to have a call with you tomorrow at 10 a.m., they're going to look at your proposal. And they may look at your proposal and say, no, I'm not in. So then they'll cancel the call with you. Now you know, like no point in you chasing. I don't believe in chasing clients. No point in you chasing. And a lot of times they'll look at the proposal and go, I'm totally in. I don't even need to have this call with you. Let's just move forward. Or Right, but it's just the action of having the call on the schedule. Yeah, because that's what gets them to take action. This is how you move yourself up on like the importance of their to-do list. So by doing that, it's it's you're going to increase your chances of closing more business because they'll actually look at your proposal and they'll start to make decisions. And if they get on that call with you, like if they actually get on the call with you on Thursday at 10 or whatever you scheduled it for, chances are they have a question. And most people are one question away from hiring you. You have to answer that question in order for them to say yes. So if they get on that call with you and they have that lingering question, and you are able to uncover it or give them the opportunity to ask it live and you can answer it in that moment, then it's like, oh, okay, I feel I feel at ease now and I'm ready to move forward. Thanks, Renee. Let's go. I love this. And I'm going to start implement, implementing this for our full planning. Yeah. like for the proposals that are like 15,000 plus. Yes. Because I think that those are it's a great it's a great like high level strategy for people that really, you know, are going to be with me for a long time and they're investing a lot of money. Um, I think for my management clients, which it's more a little bit more transactional to a little bit, that's like my lesser, lesser cost, but also less services package. I think it might be um, maybe overkill for that, but I'm still going to try it out because I think it's interesting. It's the trick of having that time to chat on the calendar that really, that really seals it in. I never thought about that. That's yeah. so good, Nikki. For your, especially people in the wedding industry, because most of them are selling a service, right? Or providing something that, that is a higher ticket. And so if it's that yeah. higher ticket, so even if they're going to go like, well, we're getting three quotes for, you know, whatever, for the event planner or for the flowers or whatever it is, your competitors are not going to do this. And so you might be the person who answers the question that they have. And because you answered the question, you're going to get the business. 
or at least you're going to increase right. your chances of getting the business right. versus anybody else getting it who's just going to like send a quote and never follow up or send a quote and follow up eight times, but the person never responds. <laughs> so by right. being on their calendar, they're going to be like, well, you know, I got three other quotes or I got two other quotes. And here's what so-and-so said that they did. Do you guys do that too? Absolutely. We do that for you. And as a matter of fact, that is on the quote and it's here. And so just want to point it out to you that this is something that we offer and we offer this other thing too. Now they're like, Ooh, I didn't know that. Great. Let's, let's go. You're my choice. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. I know we're running out of time with you. I want to ask you a question that's kind of uh, an offshoot of this okay. because I know so many of my listeners are wanting to or toying with the idea of getting into public speaking. You know, uh, I know, you know, I'm a public speaker, but um, I want to know your your take on booking a consult call or booking a discovery call after a speaking opportunity. So for my wedding pros listening, that could be something as as, you know, simple as like, going to a bridal show and, and getting interviewed for some something, you know, that you do in your specific niche. It doesn't have to be um, the way I do it, like talking on stage at conferences, but I'm curious to know about, you know, your kind of workflow in that, yeah. in that regard. So it's the same, it's kind of a similar to what I said before about like scheduling the circle back call. So when I go and speak or, and also I've done like many thousands of trade shows in my career, like one year I counted, I did a hundred trade shows. So I understand what it's like Oof. to be at the wedding shows and I get it. a lot it. of trade shows. Yeah, my God. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. So I've done a lot <laughs> in my career. So the one thing that I found to be the most successful is when somebody indicates interest, I pull my calendar out right then and I say, let's schedule a time to chat further about this. I have my calendar right here on my phone. Do you have your calendar available? Then I wait. And then I go, let's, let's schedule a time. So if somebody's coming over and they're like, oh yeah, I need to get such and such for my wedding, but I'm not really ready to make a decision right now. Offer to schedule, like let's schedule a call. And then that way I can answer any additional questions. This way you can enjoy the rest of your show. And you'll just know that like we have this call scheduled and I'll be happy to answer your questions. I love that. And then just put it like, get it on their calendar. And then that way, when you get back from the show, you're not like, should I follow up with them? Should I send an email? Should I try to call? Like all that stuff. I don't believe in doing a lot of stuff that I call time suck of like, yeah. should I do this or should I do that? It's like, no, you know what you're going to do. You have a call scheduled with them in two weeks and you're going to talk about it then. That's, uh, that's very simple and very genius. Thank you. I love it. Nikki, you're so smart. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What could you tell our folks listening who are still, you know, getting those sort of um, nervous belly butterflies in the stomach before they have a consult call when they know they have to sell? What can you what kind of advice can you give to those to those folks? The one thing that I think is really crucial and this is across the board, it doesn't matter what you're selling. If you are getting those nerves, there is something about managing your internal state of mind. <laughs> before you get into the calls. So I teach a process, it's it's from my background in neuro-linguistic programming. It's, it's called the NLP mandala. It's something that I teach my clients to say to themselves before they go into meeting. And for the sake of time, I, I won't necessarily go into the detail of it, but I will say doing something to manage your internal state that allows for you to go, okay, I'm gonna go into this meeting and I'm gonna be fully present. And I'm not gonna be focused on like, what do they think of me? I'm going to spend my time and attention outwardly focused on them, asking them questions, picking up cues, writing notes, you know, having a set list of questions to ask, and then 
you can go in feeling more confident because you're prepared without doing a ton of research. Like I, I'm never the person who's like, oh, do 10 hours of research on the blah, 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 and have all these, you know, quotes and stuff prepared for them. You don't need to do that. Just go in yeah. and be curious, ask questions, have a set list of questions that you're going to ask. It doesn't mean you have to answer, like ask everyone, but just having that preparation for yourself of like, here's some key questions that I'm going to ask and then like paying attention to the other person. So do something to manage your state because it helps kind of calm the waters. I always say like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta be the swan. You know, the thing about a swan is they like glide beautifully across the top of the water underneath they're paddling like heck, you know, their little feet are going like crazy and that's okay. But having a little bit of preparation allows for you to come across cool and confident. Yeah, I love that. You know, so many I've done, I've been podcasting for years, and I've been talking to so many experts like yourself for years. And it's always fascinating to me that no matter what topic we're talking about, <laughs> oftentimes, the biggest advice we all have for each other is self management, right? Like yeah. self development, like yeah. knowing yourself, uh, knowing how to talk yourself out of potential nervous situation, you know, just really doing that work of noticing where you're at before you go into a sales call. And, and like Nikki said, you know, making sure that you're in a place that's grounded so that you can ask the right questions, but also hear the answers. Because I'll tell you, as a wedding planner, I've been privy to some sales calls. I don't love being on the sales calls, to be honest. Like, I want my photographers and, and DJs and I want everyone to be selling in the way that they want. But sometimes, especially during COVID, Nikki, I was on those calls. Mm, yeah. And I would watch very skilled artists talk themselves into a fucking tizzy and not and never really communicate or connect with the client. And I'm over here like, oh, they're such a good photographer. What is happening right now? Because it's really hard to self-regulate if you don't have the skill. Like it's a muscle like anything else. Yes, that's so true. Like I, I still, you know, again, I mentioned this NLP mandala. It's like things that, that I say to myself that allow for me to be really present in the moment. I still do this. I've been doing it for so many years and I'm really comfortable with sales conversations, but I do it before yeah. I get on the podcast with you. I do it before I go into a discovery call with a potential client. Sometimes I do it before I get on a call with my mom. It's just like yeah. managing yeah. my internal state allows for me to be a better version of myself so that it's, and I would say your performance will be within a range, right? Like some days your energy level might be a little bit low and maybe you're at like on a scale of one to 10, maybe you're at like a, a four or five. Other days when you're feeling like I'm so on and I just am feeling like super confident, maybe you get up to an eight or a nine. But the objective is not to always be at an eight or nine because that's super unrealistic. Like that's yeah, so it's really hard to pressure. sustain. <laughs> yes. So yeah. if you're like feeling a three that day, the goal isn't for you to be an eight. The goal is for you to like, can you push yourself to manage your internal state to get to a four or maybe even a five? And if you yeah. can do that, it boosts your confidence because you're like, I know I can extend myself enough to like manage this situation. And that's what you're going for. I love it. I love it. Nikki, where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> well, can I wrap it around a gift for your audience? Is that you okay? Can. All oh right. my God, we love gifts. Okay, so I have an ebook, it's called Closing the Sale and it's about boosting your confidence. And it's really kind of in the last three steps of what I mentioned in the selling staircase, that discovery, the proposal and the close. So it gives some language suggestions and it gives some tips on managing your state that we just talked about. So you can get that by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash Renee. So that's for your listeners. And oh, I'll thanks. happily gift that to you. And that would be the easiest way for us to connect.
I think that is so generous and so lovely, Nikki. Thank you. And for everyone listening, we're going to put that link in the show notes so you don't have to like pull over to the side of the road while you're taking your kids to school and jot that down. That'll be that'll be in the email and on, and on the website for you. Um, Nikki, thank you so much. I always love talking about sales with someone who absolutely loves and knows what they're doing. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And um, you also have two other books, right? I do. Or, yeah. And they're all on Amazon. What are the names of those books? So my most recent book is The Selling Staircase. That's the, I'm going to say that's the book that I recommend if you're really wanting to up your sales game, because it's kind of that all five steps in one, uh, one book. Great. So The Selling Staircase. And then I wrote a book called Buying Signals, which mm. I do include a version of, of that, at least the, what the buying signals are in The Selling Staircase. And then the first book I ever wrote is called Six Word Lessons on Influencing with Grace. And it's 100 tips around using neuro-linguistic programming to be a better communicator. I'm going to get all these books. I'm going to put links to the Amazon store um, in the show notes oh, as well, because you. those all three sound exactly right up my alley. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Nikki, so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. And listeners, you know what I'm going to say? Because I say it every week. Your time. It's the most valuable thing you have and you can't make any more of it. So I never take it for granted that you spent it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. 